Hello, I am Trey Ratcliffe, and welcome to my rather unusual podcast I call Walk and Talk with Trey. The show is mostly about creativity and consciousness, but the conversation often delves into other far-flung erudite subjects, and there's plenty of silly stuff to balance all that out. All of these were originally recorded on a 360-degree video camera that shoots in 5.7K. I hold it in front of me while I walk and talk with interesting people. You're now listening to the audio version that is more convenient in many situations, but keep in mind, you can always jump over to YouTube and watch the 361 too. It's fun because you can move the camera all around. If you get tired of watching me blab away, just move the camera around and look at all the beautiful scenery around us. Note that the show is ad-free. If you like it, then I have something fun you can do. I have this members-only section of the blog called the Stuck in Customs Passport. You can get there by going to stuckincustoms.com passport. For just the cost of a few cups of coffee per month, you can support the show and get access to over 100 different videos. These are inspirational videos, how-to videos, and filled with all sorts of mind vitamins. My goal with all these things is to spread consciousness and fun and love around the world. Maybe that sounds silly to you, but I hope it doesn't. Anyway, please come subscribe. I appreciate you. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, if you guys want to come see me, I am starting a 40-city art talk tour around the world. I'm getting started in the Americas, in USA and Canada. And I'll be giving a series of art talks where I talk about creativity, consciousness, zen, love. Um, I share a lot of stories, uh, a lot of photos, and uh, there's a great Q&A section at the end where people always ask the craziest questions, which I really enjoy. So come along. These are ticketed events. Um, it's, the ticket hardly costs anything. We're not really doing this to make money. Um, just to, for kind of crowd control, keep the keep the sizes down a little bit. And uh, we don't have the exact dates right now. Maybe by the time you read this, we might. So the best place to go to find we're calling it the Rediscovering the Americas tour. Go to stuckincustoms.com/links/rediscovertheamericas. All right. Uh, the cities that we're announcing now are Fort Lauderdale. Orlando, New York, Dallas, New Orleans, Nolens, Montreal, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Boston. And of course, I'll be doing the Burning Man photo walk as always. So yeah, subscribe to our newsletter to get all the details. That would be stuckincustoms.com slash news. All right, now, here we go. How cool is this guy, Kevin Rose? I went to go visit him in Portland and at his show, he has a podcast. You go to kevinrose.com to, to see that or to listen to some of his podcasts. Great guy. Always really admired him. Um, he's an entrepreneur. He started this company called dig.com, which you might know of. And he's done lots of other entrepreneurial things. Uh, he's an investor, made some great investments. And just a nice guy. Just a nice, open heart, curious you know, about the world. Uh, really into consciousness. We share a lot of common interest, everything from Japan to Alan Watts. And yeah, I think I just like him because he's just curious and full of love and and uh, not just interesting, but he's interested, right? I 
got this advice a long time ago when I was at Anderson Consulting. He said, you know, if you want to be interesting to people, <laughs> be interested in them, right? And so I think this is just something that I've got gotten to be good at over time, just talking to people, trying to figure out what's going on in their brain. He's got a lot going on inside that Kevin Rose brain, I tell you. Um, so we went on a walk through this beautiful rainforesty kind of thing in in uh, Portland. So if you watch the 360 video, you can scroll the camera around and see all kinds of different angles. But <laughs> I did have one malfunction with the 360 cameras. I forgot to calibrate it. So it gets a little wonky as you spin around the camera, right? Kind of like you're on one of these psychedelic experiences that we do talk about in this episode. We get into everything from, um, we do talk about psychedelics and how beneficial they can be. Um, he has done a session where a counseled psychedelic session where he went into, um, you know, think about his dad and work through some issues there that were unresolved. Um, we also talk about vulnerability and kids and we're all over the place, all over the place. Anyway, I love this dude. I uh, hope you get to know him um, like this as well. Okay, guys, here we go. The great Kevin Rose. Hello, everybody. Welcome to season four, episode 11 of the show I like to call Trey Walking Through the Pacific Northwest with Men Who Have a Last Name That's Related to Botany. It's a real niche. Yes. But, uh, you found one. I own, own the niche. I am with the awesome Kevin Rose. Kevin, where are we today? Uh, we are in uh, Portland, Oregon, just in the uh, woods in Tryon Creek, um, which is, uh, yeah, it's our first time here, my first yeah. time here, yeah. and I'm excited to walk through this, uh, this little forest because I've heard so many great things about all the different trails that are here, and uh, it's a great, it's an awesome day, like very yeah. like, fresh rain smell, a um, little bit of fog, a lot yeah. of moss. It's very romantic, our first walk This is my together. first 3D, uh, 360 yeah. degree video. Video, too, as well. So that's a format I'm playing with. I just like to walk and talk with clever people and just have a conversation. No doubt we're going to solve all the world's problems in the next hour. Yeah. Um, very little doubt about it. By the way, if it's your first time seeing a 360 video, you can just grab the screen and move it around. You can look at everything we're seeing. You can look up, look down, look at us. It's so cool. i got to buy one of these cameras. Yeah. What do they run? Are they expensive? Oh, I think it's $400 or less. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You can do a lot of stuff with it. Okay, so we'll kind of just have a meandering conversation. You know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for all that you, you've built, and I'll put in the description all the cool stuff you've done. We'll go through the litany of it right now. But... Not only do I you know, think you're clever and a real intellectual, you know, we connect on a Zen level, but beyond that, I want to talk to you about vulnerability, because ever since I first discovered you so long ago, I could sense a, a vulnerability. Yeah. And I think that people can sense this, and they, they see like a real authenticity in you because of that. I appreciate that. What, what kind of got you to that point? What's been your path with having an open heart and being vulnerable? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, I think that when you, when I take a look at where I grew up, um, which was Las Vegas of all places, uh, it's kind of a odd place to, to be as a child um, growing up amongst 
you know, slot machines inside of uh, grocery stores and all the chaos that comes with Vegas. Um, In that type of culture, it's very much like, you know, monster trucks and, you know, Red Bull and, like, a man's a man and you got to go gun shooting. And um, so, you know, that was me for much of my life. It Mm -hmm. was like I had all types of guns and I wanted to get my car, my truck all jacked up. And, you know, that was kind of like... Um, the the person that I identified with, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, I think later, as I, as I got older, I just discovered that um, that was just, it really wasn't leading to any personal growth. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was very much my father, which mm-hmm. was put up all of the walls, mm-hmm. um, don't talk about your feelings, men don't, mm-hmm. men don't cry, like, you know, mm-hmm. there's all these, um, and, and I realized that if I was to, to grow, if I was going to try and, um, I don't know, just emotionally uh, become a more open person mm-hmm. and avoid some of the pitfalls that my family, um, you know, ran into with my dad not being able to um, really work with my mother to try and find solutions to problems, which ended up being fights and arguing and all that. Right. I realized I had to take a different path, you know, because right. I'm, I'm, I didn't want to become that angry, closed-off person that was my father. Mm-hmm. My father, I always say this when I talk about my dad, because he had some awesome attributes as well, and I think it would be right. unfair not to mention that he was an amazing dad. As a dad and someone yeah. that, like, coached me and, like, Helped me, um, you know, get into Boy Scouts and become an Eagle Scout and, like, all the things that that we did together um, in terms of fishing and, like, woodworking. And, I mean, awesome, awesome father. Not the best husband. So, um, you know, I I realized that, okay, what else is there out there and how can I explore and get in touch with other things that may help me grow? And so I noticed that once I started opening up and it was initially – Honestly, it had a lot to do with my, my wife and that, you know, I had a lot of different anxiety and fears around certain things. And mm-hmm. as I started to open up, I just realized this weight just drops. Mm-hmm. It's like you just like let this yeah. like let it go. Yeah. And when you can talk about things, like things just get easier. Yeah. And I just wanted to keep that snowball going. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. wow, like life can feel awesome. Should we go down this patch by this one? Yeah, it's true. There's so many counterintu- counterintuitive truths to life, and one of them is to be to be stronger, you have to be more vulnerable. Right. Which doesn't make logical sense. Well, it does. But it makes life sense. If you think about that, the, what is so the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. is the strongest thing to do, mm. and the hardest thing to do is to be vulnerable. Right. Right. So yeah. that actually is the strongest thing you can do. So real true. strength is actually vulnerability. <laughs> That's true. Isn't that crazy? That That's is, true. That is totally true. Right. And so I realized, once I realized that, that actually, right. no, this is strength. This is power. Mm. This is like me becoming a stronger human being. Like that, that was, that switch went off my mind and said, okay, well, I'm going to try this. Right. And I started opening up to people, started opening up to friends. And then when I was on podcasts, right. I'd open up about certain things. And I just felt better and better and better. And the more you can release and realize that I'm flawed, but right. guess what? So is everybody else. Right. You know? So why don't we just be real about it and just talk yeah. about it and we'll all be in a better place, right? It's true. You know, there's uh, – which way now? This I is like that Bender Snatch episode. <laughs> <laughs> I made every bad decision. Okay. <laughs> so 
Um, I've never been here before, yeah, so we're just okay. randomly taking no, little signs. This is going to be like that Japanese forest where people go in <laughs> to commit suicide, and they decide they don't want to, and they can't find their way oh, out, no and way. they die. So I almost went to that forest a few weeks ago. Yeah. Right by Mount Fuji. It's not too far away, apparently. 45 minutes or something. Yeah, that's the scary thing is a lot of people go in there, and they face their mortality, and they see bodies hanging around. They're like, oh, man, I have so much to live for. And they try to get out of the forest, but they're lost, and they die anyway. Are there bodies hanging? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that. All right, let's, uh, let's brighten the subject. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about, like, I want to give practical advice to people who are learning to become vulnerable. Because I notice now a lot of people online, on social media, they all post, I think there's two ways to be vulnerable online. Okay, one is not so good and one is great. And the one I see that is not so good is people, they get on there and they complain about something that's going wrong in their life. Someone has wronged them. The world is against them, very victimized, and they just kind of put that out there, and then they get, you know, hundreds of responses, you know, love and prayers, and right. they really, like, so they, it's almost just like they, they whinge and complain about something that's bad with their life, almost just to get, just to maximize comments. Right. Um, have you noticed this as a growing trend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um you're saying just attention grabbing. So yeah. That, that's the idea of like saying, can I do this to get the most amount of reaction? And that's right. a form of pain and suffering, right? It is, yeah. So I, I feel like that, um, I don't know. I don't know that that's, any, there's, I don't find necessarily anything wrong with that in that that person, um, it, we all go through this, but we, we have something that's kind of like pretty, pretty big uh, going on in our lives and we want right. to share it with others. The question is, is it becoming... Is are you doing it because of, of just because you want more likes, you want more mm -hmm. recognition? Is it a way to be like you, you see yeah. what I'm saying? I, I think some people see this happening and they they want that kind of attention and then so they could it's almost like a weird meme. And I here's I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a, a better way to be vulnerable, not to be judgmental, but this is sort of another way to think about it, is that there's three levels. Level one is saying, like, here's something that's not going right in my world, okay? Level two, like, continue. Don't stop there. You can say, like, here, here's what I've learned from it. Mm -hmm. Here's what I've taken away from it. And then level three is, like, here's what I'm doing about it now. And in this way, I think you could be more inspirational. And if you frame it in, like, it's about them, it's about helping other people. It's not about whining about me. It's about, it's about loving other people. Right. And using my lessons as an example. And I think that's, I, I would like to see more people think through it like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I, I'm, for me, I guess is where, I'm trying to think about like publicly where it started because I think it's on a personal level. I was talking to friends about certain things uh -huh. that I wanted to get out there, especially around um, some of the stuff with my dad. But actually it probably started with therapy. Like therapy is one of those things where, so many people are afraid to say that they've ever talked to a therapist. Right. Like, it's like this, like, negative thing that, that people yeah. still associate it with. And I, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a therapist as just, like, an amazing coach. Mm -hmm. Like, someone that can come in and give you the tools that you need right. to be able to figure this stuff out. Because people, like, we just don't have these. We're never taught any of this in school. Right, they can ask the right questions in sort of this Socratic way. Because we do all have the answers inside of us, but we don't know the right questions to ask. Right. And they can help see our blind spots and 100%. ask those questions. Yeah, I did that early on with, um, with Daria, my wife. We went to therapy and couples therapy. 
and we were able to work through some issues that we had around our fears around marriage and some of the other things that we're trying to get through. And it was like we just didn't have the tools to realize that we were on the same team and we were both trying to have the same outcome. And how can we have a conversation that addresses each other's fears without really setting somebody off in, in a downward spiral? And how can yeah. they feel supported? So it was just like once we learned that, then, you know, I think of like therapy can be this great thing where you check in like every, you know, two, three years. Like you don't have right. to continue every single month. Yeah. Like I haven't. I haven't been with Darian in quite some time, but I can tell you if we ran into something yeah. again that was a problem, like that, that would be my mm -hmm. first stop. I think it's a good idea. I I mentioned this to some friends that were about to get married, this thing that you did, which is new, because normally you don't go to marriage therapy until it's way too late. Right. You know? But if you kind of make it a regular checkup process, it becomes part of a routine, then things kind of stay on the rails. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think it's a smart... Yeah, and I would say that that would probably be my first thought for people rather mm -hmm. than turning to social media and using it as a way to, I mean, you could use close friends, like a closed group inside of like Instagram right. or something as that, but like rather than using it as like a, oh, woe is me, like let me just yeah. get this out there to the masses, it yeah. could be, it could be start with something smaller and, and certainly with people that you know can help you versus just people that are going to pile on in a negative way. Yeah, it's true. We're in a, I think we're in a weird place with social media. It's a new, to me, sociological phenomenon where... You've always been interested in your friends and your family and their feedback, and it's a nice support network. But now, because we're actually connected to 90% strangers, you're seeking the support and affection and feedback from total strangers, which has never happened before in right. human history. Right. It's a weird thing, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of weird things about social media. Just like <laughs> I have kids deleting their posts if they don't get enough likes yeah. after a certain amount of time. Like, there's a lot of pressure there, and there's a lot of pressure, too, to be your best self. Like, yeah. People always, like, I mean, think about how many times, and I'm guilty of this, too. Like, you retake a photograph because you're like, oh, I just didn't look right there. I have a double chin because I've been having too many beers and, like, you know, like, weird stuff like that. Yeah. But I think it happens to everybody. I get it. Um, all right. So, amongst our... Oh, here's a mushroom. Oh. We're going to talk about hallucinogens soon, by the way. That's not bad. Oh. It's got gills on it. It's got gills on it. Yeah. Poisonous. Um, let's talk about another common love and interest of Japan, yes. Japanese go this culture. Way? Yeah. Oh, it has maiden parking that way, so we can go this way. Okay, yeah. Um, how many times have you been to Japan? What made you fall in love with it? Uh, I would say I've been there probably, that's a good question, maybe seven or eight times, mm -hmm. something like that. That's about how many I've been. And I first went out there to do actually my podcast, Ignatian, way back, probably... Uh -huh. You know, oh gosh, I don't even know now, maybe yeah. 12 years ago or something uh -huh. like that. And I think that the when I landed in Tokyo for the first time and just got off the plane, um, I just realized that I was no longer in Kansas. Like, this was yeah. a completely different world yeah. and a different environment. Like, a parallel universe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you go to London, you go to Europe. Like, there's yeah. so many things that you can associate with and, like, mm -hmm. instantly be like, oh, this is just... A slightly different language and but this is the same in so many ways when you go to japan it's mm -hmm. just like you you and you start to experience what their culture is all about um and their attention to detail and the cleanliness mm -hmm. and just all the amazing things that the japan has to offer mm -hmm. i was hooked i was hooked from you know day one the people and the culture i've 
I've often thought about moving to Japan, but I can't figure out a way to break it to my wife. Well, you got to get her on board. <laughs> yeah. I got Daria's on board. My wife is ready to go. She's That's like, good. she'd go spend yeah. some months there. I think we're going to try yeah. and do a, one month in, in Tokyo or in the surrounding areas sometime in the next year, year and a half. That's a good. Why don't yeah. you start there? Start with like a month. That's a good idea. And just like get her hooked okay. on the culture and the yeah. food. And is she a big uh, Japanese foodie or? Yeah, she likes healthy food, and it's probably one of the healthiest food places oh, in the world. For sure. In fact, I've heard a lot of chefs, like real chefs, Michelin star professional chefs. When the question they always get, like, if you could live in one country the rest of your life, what would it be? They all say Japan. Yeah. It's because uh, you have so many people that go really deep on one specific thing. And they take that to the absolute extreme. There was a last time I was in Japan, or two times ago, I saw this gentleman, older gentleman, probably in his, I'd say, I don't know, maybe early 80s, came out of his house. And I'm waiting for an Uber, and I called an Uber, and it was going to be like 15 minute wait because there's not that many Ubers over there. And um, so I'm just sitting there waiting, and this old man comes out and he starts um, polishing his mailbox with like a, a rag. Uh huh. And I mean, for 15 minutes, he wasn't even a tenth of the way through it. Mm hmm. And I was just like, wow, what appreciation for your yeah. things. Yeah. And for, like, the cleanliness of the streets. Like, you can eat off the streets there. And just, like, the attention and level of detail and thoroughness of, like, going through. And this applies to everything that is done there. So it can be, if you go meet and, and sit with someone that is a master tempura maker, all they do is tempura. And they right. do it to the, at the highest level. Right. And, and that applies to everything, which is, which is fun. I can watch them do things all day. There's a mindfulness and a presence to everything they do. And I, I read that in Shintoism, they do have a connection to their things. They feel like their things are part of their soul, part of them. And this is why there's zero theft there. Because it's like stealing part of someone else's stuff. You can just leave your stuff there forever. No one's going to steal it. It's incredibly unique like that. Yeah. It makes you feel very safe. Yeah, it's really cool when you walk down the street and you see all these beautiful bikes unlocked. And, you, yeah, yeah, you feel very safe walking around there. Have you read this book called Geek in Japan? No. This guy named Derek Sivers turned me on to this book. And I think I've been there six times. And I always, I'm like you, I, I'm a people watcher. I always watch people. And I've always found them to be quirky and cute and nice and honorable. And But I always kind of like... I never really thought about why, but this book explains like a hundred of these tiny little, you know, idiosyncrasies that their culture has. Like, for example, do you know why Japanese girls cover their mouth when they laugh? No. Fascinating. Okay, listen to this. During. This little bent. Yeah, cute little overlook. Yeah. So during the, the Meiji period, which is like, I guess, 150 years into about 1900, whenever women got married, they had to dye their teeth black to indicate that they were married. Wow. And they were embarrassed how does, one, about, how does one do that? They use some kind of a black lacquer. There's a few cultures around the world that do this. And so the women would be embarrassed when they laughed because they would still laugh. So they would cover their mouth, and then their little girls would watch them laugh, and they would do that. And it just carried on to this And day. even though it stopped in 1870, everyone still does it because they learned it from their mothers. Wow, crazy. I had no yeah. idea. So the book is just full of all kinds of stuff like this. You're like, wow. And it kind of, you know, it doesn't make your experience that different. It's kind of, I guess, kind of learning that the, the earth is not flat, that it's a sphere. You just, it still looks the same, but now you just have a little more understanding of what's going on. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll definitely pick that up. Yeah. 
We said geek in Japan. Geek in Japan. It's a real, it's a real easy read. So I was thinking about when you picked up that mushroom and you're talking about your dad. I remember listening to you talk about going through a guided um, therapy using like augmented with hallucinogens. That's right. I'm very, I do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I'm very experimental in all these areas. I found that it's opened up my mind in permanent ways. It's opened up rooms in my brain that I can revisit anytime. And it's been a real growing experience for me. I know you were a little scared to try this stuff. Oh, for sure. And you went to a council session. What was your, what was your experience like? Would you would you recommend these these council <laughs> guided sessions for people? Yeah, well, I'm first. I'm excited to see that the, it's finally starting to catch on, and and that there's being clinical studies that are done right now um, to great success. And then also that we have even here in Oregon, we have on um, the next ballot, next election to legalize um, the kind of therapeutic use of of psilocybin and, and mushrooms to to help people. But um, yeah, I mean, I was scared. I was scared as hell. Like I, for me, I had done mushrooms a couple other times with friends in a very casual, let's giggle and watch the clouds kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> and I did them one time. The first, actually, it was the first time I did them, um, where I took too much, and all of a sudden, this is gonna be a fun puddle to navigate. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, I, I couldn't feel my heartbeat anymore. Mm-hmm. Started freaking out. Mm-hmm. I felt like my body was a shell. I, I, I kind of went to a dark place. You right. Know? So mm-hmm. mushrooms were very scary and something I really didn't want to touch. And when I was doing them, I had only done a couple of times post that. And I did them um, in a very microdosy kind of mm-hmm. way, like I can barely feel it. But I'm still doing it with the, the crew, you know. Right. So anyway, I you know talked to some friends that like Tim Ferriss and some other folks that. Um, have been experimenting and funding some of this research. And, you know, the idea, if you buy into it, which I wasn't sure if I did, was that if you do a high enough dose, you can blast through the anxiety anxiety portion and go straight to the portion where you're, you know, in outer space, in your back in your brain, working through and traversing different things in your brain and working through some of these problems. Mm-hmm. And I had once heard it described to me as like 10 years of, me- or of, uh, of therapy in a single day. And I, I was like, it. well, that's interesting yeah. because like my dad had passed away mm-hmm. and I didn't really have a way to go in and really kind of address and work through some of these things that I wish I had brought up to him. Right. right. And so I found a guy that was out in New York and I was like, okay, well... This is someone that's trusted. It's like a husband and wife team, and um, they come highly recommended, and I can just go out there, and basically, I was like, met with them once. They seemed really cool. They assured me that they'd be there with me through the entire way. You know, you look at them online. No one's ever died from this type of thing, so I'm like, okay, well, shit, let's, let's, let's try it. Yep. Talked to my wife about it. She's like, go do it. So... Went out there, um, drank it down, about five grams of mushrooms. Um, it was a, in liquid form. And this is in a, this is like in a closed room environment. Yes. They're going to take care of you the whole time. That's right. You set up an intention. That's right. So it's not like, it's, it's the opposite of like party mode mushrooms. That's right, it's a, yeah. It's a self-healing introspection. That's yeah. right, yeah. So this is the same, more or less the same protocol they use at John Hopkins and all the different places where they're testing out these compounds on actual, like, cancer patients that are trying mm-hmm. to deal with end-of-life scenarios mm-hmm. and things Fear, like that. Depression. Fear, depression, you name it. So I was like, okay, well, we'll listen out the, 
like you said, the things that I wanted to go into and put the mask on. So you wear like a sleep mask when right. you're doing it. And yeah, I mean, sure enough, within 20, 30 minutes, I was just blasted and you, it's, it is a rocket ship. So you're riding it through the atmosphere and it gets a little scary and you're like, oh crap, I'm losing control of my body in terms of like, mm -hmm. like uh, I'm feeling different things and I'm being kind of like taken to a different realm and uh, I lost all of that, all of that dissolved away. I was then able to go in and just really explore some of the feelings that I had for my father and I realized that, you know, some of the anger that he had was due to um, anger that his father had had towards him. And that it could end, this realization that it could end with me. And I could just release it and let it go. And I could just, like, let it all go. And that right. that that insight, and, and it's funny, it's like, you, you could say, well, someone could just tell you that. Or you could work through that in therapy. But it's a, it's a deeper insight than we can explain verbally. Right. It's not like you can say, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get that. Yes, I could yeah. understand that if someone told that to me. But I couldn't feel it at such an intimate level. Right. That you, it's not an intellectual level. It's at right, a exactly. transcendent spiritual level. That's right. And so you feel it in this really deep way that is core to you, mm -hmm. and then you just start sobbing. You just start, like, start sobbing and like releasing all of these years, all of these like layers of the onion that have just been building up over the years of different traumas that you've gone through in life. And those can be like kids making fun of you on the playground to you name it. And you can really kind of take your mind and, and go anywhere you want and explore. Um, and so I did that for six hours, and it was a very therapeutic thing. I came out of it feeling amazing, um, kind of rebuilt from the ground up. It's like taking apart the engine and just, like, right. cleaning away a lot of the garbage and rebuilding it. And you just kind of feel like, wow, okay, I'm back. I'm back in a more <laughs> solid state, right. you know? Yeah. And so that was, uh, that was my experience, and I, I would say that... Um, it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for these compounds, um, to be known as not just things that we do as a recreational kind of mm -hmm. fun in the park things. Cause like, I don't get me wrong. I think there's benefits to, to having fun with your friends in that way too. But, um, this is different. This is, mm -hmm. this is a whole nother level. It's like, you can't even kind of compare them because when you take that high enough of a dose, I wouldn't even tell you it's like the same substance almost. Like it, it just like takes you to a different realm that is that is not there at a much lower dose. It's very hard to talk about because it does have this ineffable quality, and I completely recommend it too. I've had amazing breakthroughs. I haven't done the counseled session, although I'm interested in it. I'll yeah. definitely try that. But I've still had breakthroughs even uh, just while on these things in various circumstances. Um, I think you can't help but be introspective sometimes on these things, but a guided way might be better. I think if people want to know more about it, yeah. if people want to know more about it, um, I think we would both recommend Michael Pollan's book, How yes. to Change Your Mind. 100%. Because he's like a best-selling author, super mainstream. I had, many years ago, I read The Omnivore's Dilemma. He's a total skeptic. He's 60 years old. He talks about why they went away, all the research that was done beforehand. Now how they're coming back, all the research is being done now, they're in phase three trials, and it's all real stuff. He also goes through the whole thing himself. He tries all these different things. But again, he's a total skeptic, doesn't believe in it, and he makes a strong case that it's probably the best new tool for treating all kinds of mind problems, much better than 
Xanax, all these opioids, and oh, clearly sure. that stuff doesn't work, yeah, right? I mean, it just that, numbs you down. Yeah. Uh, that whole industry is broken. Right. And it just it is so refreshing to me that even when I see these reports of marijuana being legalized and then the opioid rates, like, decreasing based on right. the legalization of marijuana, like, yes, we yeah. need this. We need right. this stuff now. I think, you know, people can just look at it objectively – we all know a lot of numb people in the world, and then we know people like, I'm not saying this in an egotistic way, people like us that are like fully alive and fully engaged because we have opened up these parts of our mind, and we're works in progress, and we don't choose to numb ourselves to the realities of the world because it's an awesome world. It's an awesome yeah. world. It takes a while to let go of some things, but hey, it's not so tough. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just kind of like if you can get on this path of, of – one, not thinking that self-improvement is a uh, like a, a negative thing. For mm. for so long, it's like that aisle of the bookstore was like, right. You you don't want to be caught on that aisle of the bookstore because right. like What's someone might look guy? over and be like, oh, that person screwed up, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's we. There's not a single person in like of all. You you have to be in the same boat. But of all yeah. the, I've hung out with tons of Fortune 500 CEOs that. You know, you sit down with them and you're like, wow, on paper and in magazines and everything that you do, like, you're on top of the world. And they have really deep personal issues that they're dealing with. And so it's like, just because you see this idea of success Mm -hmm. in the media, we all have these demons that we have to to deal with, you know? And they they come in different flavors and forms. Right. And and if we can just admit that to ourselves, uh, you know, I think we'll be in a much better place. Well, we live in... You know, nothing wrong with capitalism and commercialism and all that stuff, but we do live in a world where success is based on these materialistic things rather than spiritual things, as opposed to our ancestors. You know, we've only been removed from these plant teachers, as they called it, for the last four or five hundred years in serious industrialization. And now that we can reconnect with these things, we can reconnect to that spiritual level. I'm not saying religious, but just like on, on a personal level, for personal growth. And personal stability is more important than all this capitalist scorecard type stuff. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. Did I? Um, did you ever hear about you know um, Paul Stamen's the mushroom guy yep. at Fungi.com, and he's been a big proponent of medicinal mushrooms in the sense of like I'm not talking about psychedelics, just like the idea of having lion's mane for mm-hmm. brain health and reishi mushrooms and all these great right. uh, mushrooms that you can buy at the stores. Um, one of the things that he was talking about that I thought was fascinating is that there's this theory out there that um, in Africa there are these herds that move and they leave their manure droppings behind. And so as, the, um, as our great ancestors were kind of tracking these herds, one of the things that's known is that these psychedelic mushrooms grow in this like right. leftover like right. dung. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's this theory out there that our ancestors ate these psychedelic mushrooms right. as they were tracking the herds. Right. And it's been shown to create neurogenesis in the brain and actually expand the brain and grow the brain. So they're I thinking a lot about how, why we are who we are um, today came from this idea of, of brain expansion through psychedelics, which is fascinating. Um, let's talk about our kids. Yes. And how... Kids have changed our our lives. What's like? What's been the last you know year and a half been like? Being a, a new dad, how has it changed you? Well, I mean, it's it's a pretty um, crazy transition because your life uh-huh. changes a lot on a bunch of different fronts. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, Darian and I were so used to our routine that you get into. Right. And when a baby comes along, it just like throws that all out the window. Yeah, that's but, for sure. But, um, you know, the first yeah. few months are very much about the mom, as you yeah. know. Like yep. it's, I was there to support and kind of hang out and be like, oh, that's a cute baby. I can't believe it's mine. Uh -huh. but you don't get a really solid, like, one-on-one -on -one dad connection until right. there's like eye connection, eye connection, laughing, smiling, like things like that. Yeah. So now that she's a year and change, we are like homies. Like, that's awesome. She rides up on yeah. my hip and like yeah. dances to music with me, and like it's, it's amazing. It's uh, you never. It's, it's just like you just love this little thing so much. It's uh, I had so many friends that that had kids, and my qu number one question with them were like, "Are you just like trying to like trick me? Yeah, into having kids too? Because yeah. you're in hell. Because like from an right. outsider looking in, when you don't have kids." And there's like crying babies and all this yeah. other crap. You're just like, oh man, that that looks like something I don't want to do. Right. And then you have one and you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. They weren't trying to trick me. Uh, it's amazing. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's a right. lot of work. But it's also when when they scream your name and smile and laugh and it, it's like you, all that work just fades away and it's like, it's all love. So yeah, it's been awesome. What is it? What has it taught you about like watching the, the human brain develop as it starts to recognize things around the world and like the nature of consciousness? And well, it, it slowed me down a bit, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like just like I when I watch her pick up like little pebbles and like uh -huh. look at them so deep in like right. such great detail. Uh -huh. I want to do that as well. Right. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna mirror everything you're doing. This way. I think it's this way, right? Man, we'll see if we get lost. This might be a six-hour podcast. <laughs> it won't be a podcast. It'll, It'll be the camera will die. our final podcast. Yeah, well, exactly. Someone will find it's this. It's Blair Witch. We're going to be yeah. over there in the dark. Um, I can always pull up my phone at some point. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, there's a couple things. One, I remember things that my mom did with me that I had forgotten. Right. Like, just, like, little things like changing the pajamas and you have to point your toes and, like, right. all these little things where it's just, like, whoa it triggers these little memories that come uh -huh. back that's cool yeah but the other thing too is just like it's taught me that um i need to focus my attention all right i have to apologize me being an amateur podcaster i didn't have enough battery to keep this thing going in the forest so now it's uh, raining outside but where we'll continue the conversation where are we now we are at uh, a bar <laughs> at my house this is my own little hidden whiskey room this is awesome. I, you have a little... Maybe I shouldn't say how you accessed it. I saw it. It was super cool. Mind-blowing. Well, I think people can just, like, scroll over the video, right, and see the secret. Okay, well, I was trying to keep it under wraps, but now... <laughs> <the video. laughs> That's funny. Also, this is beautiful in here. We may never leave, actually. Yes. We just stay here and have some drinks. <laughs> even though it's 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when we last left our hero, he was talking about... Uh, kids and how it's kind of changed him, given new insights maybe into his own life. So continue now that we were full batteries. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that just for me, um, it, it's, it's bringing back those, those memories of being a child and what it was like um, to not have all the additional layers and filters of uh, what we have today, all these walls that we put up over time, right? right. So, um, you know, when I watch my little one explore a pebble or a piece of lint with such, like, intensity and interest, um, it just reminds me that we're, you know, still capable of that and, and can take pleasure in very simple things. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes, 
you know, as adults, our minds are going in so many different directions. Right. Um, you just realize how much kind of like general anxiety and all these these different like layers of the onion that have added on to you over the years and uh it's just nice to be reminded that that we can go back to that place whether it be through meditation or psychedelics or other things and um, hopefully make that uh, a little bit more accessible and something that is a default um, versus something that's really hard to find that's been big also just like this idea of, of um, something that just can love you so much and and right. you feel this like little bond to this little thing that you just want to I don't know you just want you just care so much for her. and it's, a, it's such a random weird miracle that they just came out of nowhere right. it's still hard to be like I helped create that yeah. you know it's such a weird right. concept to wrap your head around but uh, it's, yeah it's been it's been fun it's uh, kind of proves the overall point that we know that uh, like love is the answer. Like, there's not a finite amount of love in the world. Yeah. And by creating all these awesome humans and kind of teaching them the right way, you know, it's a, it's a good way to move the needle. And when you when you see Zelda examining little pebbles and stuff, I was thinking about, you know, some of these Buddhist monks will do that. They'll just go out there and, like, appreciate a flower for hours. Right. And I, what do you, like, because I know you meditate and you're into hallucinogens, same, same as me. And some of these masters can get there and appreciate a flower without any need for psychedelics. Since I feel like psychedelics are a crutch or a shortcut because I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's bad or good. Um, do you have any Because th- sometimes I think like that, that Buddhist monk, you know, sitting on a mountainside looking at a mountain flower. You know, I feel like that's a more pure way to do sure. it. Sure, yeah. I think, um, you know, I had Tim Chang on the podcast, and mm-hmm. you're friends with him as well. Love and, that dude. I love that dude. I, I think he, he framed it quite well in that he said, um, you know, it's kind of like taking yourself from the bottom of the mountain, which you know you have to climb mm-hmm. and do the hard work to get there. Right. Blasting yourself up to the top of the mountain and then quickly throwing your ass back to the bottom of the mountain again. You yeah. know the mountain exists. Right. You know that the peak is there. And if you can go in and dissolve the ego for, you know, a couple hours right. and go up there and feel and, and kind of like get a sense of where you could go, it just, I think it really increases motivation. Um, so for me, when I've had a couple experiences where the ego kind of softens or melts away, um, it's a beautiful state of mind to be mm-hmm. in. And um, knowing that we can get there without psychedelics is awesome. And yeah. so that, that makes me even more passionate about wanting to commit to a real practice. And I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a couple I, – I hope that people get – well, I, let me tell you the difference. The difference pre and post psychedelics for me was – pre was like I was like a, a McDonald's meditator. Like I, I came in for the quick like – Fast food sandwich, like just like quick little like fifteen minutes in and out. Meditation. You know, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna get my anti-anxiety on, and like just like do my meditation and I'm out, right? And I think that um, that is not really hitting the gym. That is not doing the heavy work that's required. And, and if that brings you relief, and that's all you're here for, awesome. Like just keep doing that. Like there's no there's no harm in that. And obviously, it can help people, but. I don't want, but personally, I'm going for something a little bit deeper, right. and I, I want to go um, all the way. And if I, and realizing that has turned it into something that is, and seeing that that it's possible has turned it into something that is is not a 15 minutes a day thing. 
It's, it's trying to ramp my way up to an hour a day right. and really putting in the hard effort and the time required to actually get that level of outcome, which is very different than someone that's just doing it recreationally for 10 minutes a day. Right. And you said you are trying to increase your meditation by five minutes a month? That's right. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. I, yeah. And also, I want to feel... Well, the five minutes a month and also just making sure... Well, I'll give you an example. I've hit 30 minutes, right? And I could have already gone up. But I, I still felt like my mind was not quite at the place. still having quite a bit of monkey mind. Right. I want to have sustained attention and awareness for most of that 30 mm-hmm. minutes before I move to the next level. Right. So I've decided to put a little pause on that uh-huh. um, because I just want to make sure I really hone in this time. Right. And, and part of this is just not getting discouraged and realizing right. that meditation should be fun. Yeah. You should walk away from it always, whether it was successful or not, and saying, well, I had a good time. I put yeah. in some, some good effort there, yeah. and it was, a, it was a great time. And it, the second it becomes... You know, oh gosh, like I, I'm beating myself up over that. Right. That's when I think a lot of people bail, and right. I, I just want to be careful not to increase the time before I, I, I increase the skill. And so, I don't know if I mentioned it, your meditation app is called Oak. Yes, uh, I super recommend it. Um, it's, it's fantastic, and I think, you know, I think meditation is very difficult and scary for people to be like, oh, I can't quiet my mind for. 15 or 30 minutes, but that's that's not even the point. It's okay to have a monkey mind for 30 minutes. You're not going to enter some sort of zen for 30 minutes. And there's techniques for all of us, because all of us have have this problem, and some of these, these meditation apps have these great techniques. I, what's the gentleman's name that wrote The Search for Yourself at Google? Oh, yeah, I can't recall. I saw my head. I got a selfie with him. <laughs> anyway, he, he has a great little concept in that book that I think this is the case with most meditations is that, you know, you'll catch yourself having thoughts like, oh, I need to get the mail or I need to get my mom mm-hmm. a birthday gift or just like just the stuff, right? Um, it's okay to notice that and then just, just let it go, mm-hmm. like, let it go. And then every time you let it go, he equates it to like doing a, uh, you know, a curl. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Like you, you get a little stronger at just noticing it and letting it go. I, that, I love that analogy and I've used it a lot myself mm-hmm. as well because like if you can reframe it from being a damn it I didn't do this right which is a frustration yeah. which causes more anxiety and, and and you're not really releasing at that point if you can reframe it to say oh great there was another rep I just did right. there was another mm-hmm. I just lifted that weight one more yeah. time and I should yeah. be here to lift weights yeah. and it's okay to lift weights like that's I'm mean, just getting stronger with every weight that I lift that is that's the way to do it that's the way to frame it it's a nice way to think about it all right, you guys, so be sure to listen to his, his podcast. He's having um, great conversations. I'm having you on soon, too. Yeah, we, we're going we're gonna to have a fun one. Thank you for that. Uh, but you can skip mine. You hear all the happy horseshit I say all the time. But, but I think that he's, he's such a good – I know you're, you're a little bit like me. I, I'm not saying this in a self-congratulatory way. In that, like, I'm not really an interviewer. I don't really know how to ask questions. I mean, I – more of like it's just a conversation. Yeah, and a curiosity around stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's got uh, so many great ones. Um, so go check him out. Just go through the list. You know, it's overwhelming. You don't have to go in order. You know, it's not like watching General Hospital. You can watch stuff out of order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kevinrose.com is the place to go. And we yeah. got all the RSS feeds there and links to the podcast. And yeah, I would say Michael Pollan's a great episode that I really enjoyed. I had one with Tony Robbins where we talked about finance. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Arya Stark, who uh, from Game of Thrones, she yeah. was on recently, and we yeah. went through all her uh, her new.
new kind of startup and things like that. It was like really fun to see Maisie Williams is her real name. Um, see her actually uh, start a, a young entrepreneur just getting off the ground, 21 years old. It's, right. And she was such a sweetheart. That was a fun one too. I think she's a good example of like anyone could do anything at any age. Yeah. Right? And yeah. There's a, in, if you find something you're passionate about, there's an infinite amount of resources out there. Nothing's holding you back. Yeah. Uh, you know, do things different. Be bold. Don't be afraid. And I think that's kind of a continuing theme among all your podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I think failure is is I I love the idea of failure. Just admitting that you've learned something, mm-hmm. and it's not uh, so many people for so long. I've, I've always looked at failure as being like this. Oh, we don't talk about that. And I actually love when people will be like, Oh, like how did Dig turn out, or what happened with that? And you're just like. Oh, here's how I really screwed it up. Right. And here's what I learned. Right. And like, let's share that. Like, right. why not? Like, yeah, that's, that's just life in general. So uh, the more things we can fill out, the better. We're just learning and learning and learning, which is great. I dig it. All right. Hey, let's end this by giving a 360 hug. Oh, wow. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's the first time. Nice. All right. Stay awesome, man. Thank you. Take care of Daria and the two babies. Two babies. All, All right. right. Chaos. Bye, everybody.